Well, welcome back. Thank you. You've been back for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I've been working. You haven't noticed? That's, <laughs> I, I have. We, we, we left a lot of work for you. So. <laughs> Not really. Andrea did a great did a job. Fantastic great job. job. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a little conversation about your sabbatical before mm -hmm. we come to the table for communion. Before we do that, I'm going to read these words from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 from the message. And as I do that, I'll also say you, you have these words posted on the wall of your office. I do. As really a way of thinking about mm -hmm. discipleship at Second Baptist Church. Yes. So I'll read this and we can center in together and then you might yeah. talk a little bit about why. Yeah. And then we'll talk just a little bit about your sabbatical. Yeah. Okay. Here are these words from Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is the word of the Lord. There you go. So would you like to say anything, and it may even connect to your sabbatical, would you like to say anything about how those words for you shape and influence how you think about spiritual formation and discipleship? That verse became outstanding to me uh, personally uh, when I was working in Atlanta, actually. So mm -hmm. it's been now over 10 years ago. Not Atlanta, Texas. Not Atlanta, Texas, no. no. A little bigger place, Atlanta, okay. Georgia. All right, just, just gotta be clear on that. And um, uh, they just resonated in my heart. And I thought, you know, that's, that's really what it's about. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, uh, we are living in Christ. And that should shape and inform how we do anything we do, what we say, relationship we're in. And so that became a foundational scripture for my own personal discipleship. And then, yes, when I came here in, in the role of, of adult discipleship, um, I put it up on my wall, and then I began to putting it, putting it into publications and into things to try to get it in front of your eyes so that maybe you would embrace this uh, scripture also in this kind of way. Yeah. Really, when we think about our mission statement, fostering whole life faith, and that's really what we're talking about here is, yeah. is something that touches every part of who we are. What I didn't know at that time, Jason, yeah. was <clears throat> how, how the Celtic Christians yeah. had picked up on this yeah. and for centuries uh -huh. had lived into this scripture. So you're intentionally now leading us into the next question. Mm. which is about your sabbatical. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if everybody's been reading everything or, or paying attention, but would you just give they don't. people, I don't think so, <laughs> yeah, give, give people a little bit of an, an overview of, yeah. of what you did, and then we'll kind of get into the, the why and yeah. how. Well, and I want to begin with thank you to the congregation, yeah. because what a gift you give pastoral staff to take sabbaticals. Mm -hmm. 
This was, uh, and I shared this with Jason, mm -hmm. kind of scared him a little bit. This was actually, I think, my fourth sabbatical I was eligible for. And because in the other three settings I not was Not here. In, no, not here. The other three settings I've been in, I was th the number two chair in those settings. And something always went haywire with the num person in the number one seat. And so it did away with my ability to take sabbaticals in those settings. Mm -hmm. So Jason promised me no matter what She happened, really took care of me last year. <laughs> no matter what <laughs> happened, this sabbatical would happen. And so except for COVID and both of us having to right. push forward. Yeah, nothing rights. weird happened the year before your sabbatical. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> then, then, then it happened. So uh, my only regret is, honestly. And so for you who are younger in ministry, I'm looking at Andrea and Jason and uh, wherever Emmett is and all, uh, you take those sabbaticals when they become available. Because I would have been a better minister, a better person. And the settings I was in, I, I, I was mm -hmm. in during all those times would have been the better for it had I taken that time. That's so, good. so, Thanks for that plug. Well, it's the truth. I, I, <laughs> I say it. Y'all know me. I don't, say, I don't say it if I don't mean it. So, um, Several years ago, I don't even remember how long ago, mother, my mother had gotten interested in family heritage. Mm -hmm. um, she was a Wallace, which is a Scottish family. And so I began pursuing the McNeil side of things, which um, was actually Scott-Irish, but began in, in Ireland. And so I'd done a lot of family history. I, I know that we have a, a castle um, on Barra Island in the Inner Hebrides of Scotland. And we even have a chieftain who lives here in the United States. I don't know why he doesn't live there. It's beautiful. But um, anyway, so I had pursued it as family history. And then about four years ago, I think you and I began talking a bit about Celtic Christianity. Mm -hmm. And um, I brought your books back, by the way, this morning. Thank you. I counted the books that Jason and I have on Celtic Christianity, and it's at least 25 between the two of us. Mm -hmm. So we have done a lot of reading about Celtic spirituality. And um, it began to resonate in my heart and in my soul. And I thought, this, this is speaking to me. These disciplines, these practices are speaking to me in a, in a way that freshens, ref, refreshes my relationship with Christ and, and is making it more vibrant. And um, so I knew that as a part of this sabbatical, uh, I needed an immersion experience in Christian Celtic spirituality. And so part of the sabbatical, not only was it reading and studying and sleeping, which I did for about the first three weeks of my sabbatical, um, but uh, was also a trip to uh, to Scotland and to Ireland. So mm -hmm. that's great. That's mm -hmm. great. And you know, when I think when people think about these things, you know, you know, when you throw in things like the sacred art of sleeping, <laughs> yes, God bless you. Um, but there are other things that you're doing that sound may sound a lot to people like just a really good vacation. Mm -hmm. So is there anything you would say about um, how you would differentiate vacation? from sabbatical or pilgrimage. We'd use the word pilgrimage. Anything you'd say about that? Yeah, uh, and it's interesting you ask that because uh, some folks have asked me how my vacation was and I've actually um, 
said to them. Did you reprimand them? I didn't reprimand them, but I kind of gave them a one-arm hug and said it was not a vacation. Um, It was was a pilgrimage for me, a spiritual pilgrimage. Um, So uh, to explain what I'm talking about, let me me tell you a story about three Irishmen. Okay. Doesn't involve drinking, I don't know why. People want to serve today, so it needs to be All Irish drink, but this one doesn't. These three (laughs) Irishmen got in a boat. They had no rudder, no oars, no sail. Lisa, you'll like this story. And... um, and they set out and they were at sea for seven days. And they finally and, uh, landed in Cornwall. So they traveled quite a little distance across mm-hmm. the, the water. And uh, when they landed, people said, uh, well, fellas, where, where, were you, where were you headed? And here was their answer. Well, we didn't know because we were only journeying with God. Mm. So for them, the destination didn't matter. The journey being with God is what mattered. And, and that's what a pilgrimage is. Now, we saw much of Scotland, much of Ireland. I set foot in Belfast, which those of my generation, we never would have thought we would have ever been in Belfast, Ireland, right? Uh, but, uh, so I saw lots of things that you, that you could certainly do as a tourist and as a, on a vacation. But for me, I was constantly journaling and mm-hmm. applying um, the practices of Celtic spirituality. So when I stood on the, the Cliffs of Moher, which some of you have been there, 700 feet straight rock wall up, mm-hmm. where they filmed one of Harry Potter's films, but straight up this rock wall mm-hmm. with the Atlantic crashing below, Um, It was a theophany of landscape for me. Uh, I've heard some of you say, I have said, that I always feel very close to God in nature. Well, that's the theophany of landscape for the Celtic Christians. That is, God not only speaks through scripture, God also speaks through nature. Because guess what? Nature is a part of creation. So one of the misunderstandings about Celtic spirituality Uh, is that they worship creation. No, no, no. For the Celts, the cross of Christ is the center of the faith and the center of the experience. But creation from the creator is part of what we are all connected to. And because God has created creation, then God is also present speaking Mm -hmm. through that creation. So when you are out in the woods among the rocks or sitting by the fishing pond, Ed, or wherever you are, and you say, I feel so close to God out here. Listen to the voice of God Mm -hmm. through creation, the theophany of landscape. So the journey involved all kinds of things, but really um, for me, it is a journey, it is a, which is synonymous with pilgrimage. Um, and it was to go and experience in this landscape the, the fire, the wind, the water, and the earth. Now, not only of my heritage, but of the God who has created all of that and created me. And so what the Celts refer to this is the pilgrimage or the journey is the, the journey to your peregrinatio, your place of resurrection, 
Where is it that you find your life in Christ? And in finding that place, that your life in Christ, that's where you find whom you've been created to be. Isn't that beautiful? Your peregrinatio. And so, and the Celts would say, we have no better, more beautiful example than Christ himself, who in his peregrinatio, we still celebrate. Yeah. Found himself in God at the point of atonement, however you view it, mm -hmm. <laughs> for each and all of us. Isn't that beautiful? That is. That yeah. is. On the way on pilgrimage, mm -hmm. I think there are probably things that you do, like you mentioned, to attune yourself to the God who's there. Would, would you just ask a few questions? Share, is there anything else you want to share about ways that you attuned yourself to noticing God? Maybe a moment where that happened. Mm. And maybe a word about how we might do that as we come to the table and then go and serve in the world today. Mm. There, there, honestly, there were so, peop, there were so many moments. Um, and people have asked, well, Connie, what was your favorite thing? Well, I don't know. Who's your favorite child? I, we're not supposed to talk about that. I know. And I know you really do have one, but we don't want to talk about that. Don't, don't. Um, I, I really, uh, every day there was a favorite moment, all right? And almost every moment there was a favorite moment. Um, but one of, the, one of the times I was really um, almost overwhelmed with God at work was on a, on a Sunday when we were in Dublin and we were at Christ Church. And we found in the postings of the church for the day that they were going to have Evensong at three that afternoon. Well, that gave us just time to run across the street to a little uh, place called the Copper Alley and have a, a wonderful lunch and then walk back across the street to Christ Cathedral and, um, and participate in that Evensong. And what struck me in doing that um, was not, not only a beautiful worship service, but their attunement to what was going on in the world. Um, in fact, there were Ukrainian flags flying all over Scotland and Ireland. They're very attuned wow. to what's going on. Um, and receiving uh, refugees from Ukraine right now. And, and we talked, they talked to us a lot about that in casual conversation. Um, but what overwhelmed me, sitting in that cathedral and, and not in, that very place, because there have been other places the congregation met. But that congregation of Christ Cathedral in Dublin have gathered to worship for over a thousand years. Think about it. Today's our anniversary, Sunday. We're celebrating, and I've lost track, what is it? 179. 179 years. Oh, we're a pup compared to Christ's cathedral. <laughs> Over a thousand years that congregation has met in continuous worship of God. Yeah. It's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, that was one of my most overwhelming moments. That's great. Uh, to see God at work for such a long time among mm -hmm. God's people. Yeah. These moments can happen 
almost any time. That was mm -hmm. the idea of the Romans passage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so my hope today, a lot of times when we go even serve on mission trips, but I want to think about that today as well, is it's not just a time of service, uh, and it's not just a time of worship through service, um, but it is a time of paying attention through what we're doing, through who we're serving, through what's going on around us. Uh, how do we notice that Christ is present? How do we notice the Spirit moving? What do we notice God doing around us and within and through the people that we're working with? And what do we notice God doing within us? When we come to the table, we are reminded that the Word became flesh. We're reminded that the Word became flesh and blood, and as it says in the, neighbor, in, uh, the message, moved into the neighborhood of existence. Whoa! Um, and sometimes that's messy. Somebody will have to clean that up. Um, and within that, we're reminded that God became embodied in our midst. God didn't just create this, but God became a part of it and moved in our midst in this way. And we're also reminded through the story of the gospel that God is still on the loose and moving in our midst, in us and through us and among us. Let's pay attention to that today. So here's what we're going to do. This may not have been the order you think it, thought it was going to happen in, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing this hymn, which is a prayer. And then as the hymn ends, our prayer ends, open our eyes, God, to what's going on all around us. Not just now, but as we go from this place and as we serve. Uh, Julie will continue to play as we, after we sing the last words. Or Ron will play. <laughs> And as that happens, just go ahead and move toward the exits and take communion as we go and serve God in our world together. Let's pray and let's sing. Oh God, open our eyes to you, to your spirit. Open our hearts to your call. Open our lives so that we might be open to becoming who you want us to be, salt and light in this world. God, may be this be a moment when that happens. Bless this bread and this cup as we receive it. Hear these words as we sing them to you. Answer this prayer as we move throughout this day. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.